Hey guys, this is part two of my I don't know, podcast, um, vlog, uh, daily vlog, it's not daily, but where I'm driving around and I'm chatting with you guys about this, that, and the other thing. So in case you missed it, I've just started my little podcast and I'm calling it Need to Nerd, Need to Nerd. It's now on KillerSites.com. You go to the blog, you'll see Need to Nerd. You can uh, download the MP3 file, the audio file, or play right in the browser. And it should be on iTunes any day now. I just submitted it for, uh, you know, so, so it's distributed on iTunes. And uh, I'll check out other platforms as well. I used to do podcasts years and years and years ago, and you'll see that when you go to iTunes, because I loaded up some of the old stuff going back to 2006, 2006, and um, yeah, so this is uh, a video, of course, and I just recorded about 20 minutes of podcast driving here. I just had breakfast at my, uh, my favorite little breakfast coffee place, Cheers. And uh, I just wanted to talk about a particular issue that comes up every now and then. So, we see, I was opening up my Google browser this morning and I see, ah, oh, look, yet another new programming language. Yay, fantastic. So the problem with that is that it, it, it confuses the noobs. The noobs, people new to programming, people want to get into the software development gig. What they run into is coder's pain. Coder's pain in that they're trying to figure out which language is the one they got to learn because there's so many languages and the proponents for each of the languages will tell you how great their choice language is and how you should learn that and if everything else sucks. You get the same thing with frameworks as well, right? Angular versus React and, and uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So... What you got to take away from this? Well, I'll tell you a little story about me back a long time ago. Now, I'm going to change it up a little bit to make it a little bit more interesting, perhaps. So, back in the uh, early 90s, in my freelancing gigs, I was doing freelancing days when I was just getting my freelancing web development business, web design business off the ground. I was doing different types of gigs. And even outside of coding. One of the things I did was 3D animation, believe it or not. And uh, I had I have a graphic design background. And as a hobby, I was doing 3D animation. This is when it was still pretty esoteric stuff, really. So uh, somebody I knew had a company and they needed to put out uh, a TV commercial and they needed 3D animation to illustrate how the product worked. Not the most exciting 3D animation, but, well, you know, whatever. So I broke out the 3D Studio Max, and I created this uh, animation for him. And I uh, got paid, made okay money. And then from that, I started exploring 3D even more, because I was saying, hey, you know, I'm doing this coding stuff, but the 3D stuff, it looks like there's a future there, maybe. So then I started exploring the options I had in terms of 3D animation software. And again, there were so many choices. There was Rhino, 3D, 3D Max, I think Maya was out, there was Softimage, there was Lightwave, I mean, there's others as well. 
And you start exploring, you start, you, you start getting into that, that uh, analysis paralysis, that pain of trying to pick the right 3D animation software. Which one is the best one? Which one is the best one to learn? I had the same experience when I was doing martial arts. Which is the best martial arts? I gotta find the killer martial arts. And uh, you actually see these kind of trends in the martial art community. In the uh, 50s, judo and karate were the deadly ones. And then 60s, uh, kung fu was the deadly killer martial art. And then in the 80s, it, believe it or not, it was ninjas, nin ninjutsus, guys in black outfits, like actual ninjas. There would be ninja schools all over the place. That was in the 80s. And then in the 90s, uh, Muay Thai. Muay Thai became uh, the killer martial art that destroys all other martial arts. And that was in the, well, late 80s, mid to late 80s, early 90s. And then Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was the killer martial art. Oh, wow, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It's, it's the best art ever created. Nothing's ever, it's gonna ever beat it. And then things evolved and now we have MMA and it's kind of people, you know, it's gone full circle, striking is back in. And so you see, um, the point of that is that you see in even martial arts, you find that there's big debates about which system is better. In 3D animation, you're gonna have three big debates about which animation uh, software or even animation um, structure, if you will, uh, or style is better. Uh, for instance, in uh, back in the day when I was uh, dabbling with it, and I had done that commercial project. Um, there was this thing called NURBS, uh, N-U-R-B-S, NURBS. I forget what it stands for all of a sudden. Anyway, it was a, a way of modeling uh, your creations in 3D. It was a different type of math, if you will, uh, versus um, uh, polygonal animation. And at the time, I remember everybody was going, NURBS, NURBS, everybody's going to use NURBS. It's so much better than polygons. But I was talking to somebody who is in the field. And he does 3D animation for a living and 3D modeling. He says, no, no, it's all polygons. It's all polygons. Everybody's got polygons. And you're going to see the same thing in software development. You're going to see how different languages will come in and out. Different styles of programming will come in and out. Different styles of databases will come in and out. Things are always in a flux. That's why what I learned from martial arts, what I learned from business, what I learned from software development, what I learned from 3D. I remember uh, when I was deep into my research trying to find the perfect 3D animation software to master because it, was, it wasn't a trivial task to learn how to do 3D animation in those days. And um, even today. And one of the old guys said, you know, he actually was one of the uh, creators of one of the uh, 3D animation softwares out there. I think it was the guy who created, one of the lead programmers for Rhino 3D. I think it was Rhino. Anyhow, and he was saying, you know, every piece of software has its strengths and its weaknesses. And the choice that you make for the software has a lot to do with the type of work that you want to do and your personal taste. And uh, in fact, that's how it is with programming. I talk about that in programming all the time. If you're going to do AI, you could do it in AI and PHP. There's no question, artificial intelligence programming. I've seen it. I've seen it. It surprised me. But if you're going to do AI, you're going to do it in Python. 
Now, people who do machine learning uh, code in PHP could argue, well, PHP runs faster in Python. Eh, that could be all be true. But when you're evaluating any technology, uh, anything, you got to look at the environment around it. You have to consider. Uh, you have to consider the business implications of jumping into thing or the job implications. So if you could become a master, you could you could learn. Excuse me, you could build a bunch of things with AI, uh, PHP-based machine learning, but nobody uses PHP for machine learning, as far as I know. If you're going to do machine learning and do AI, you're going to either do it in Python. You're going to probably do it. I think Python and JavaScript might be the two best choices in the medium and long term. There's other languages that can be used to do AI programming, of course, but I'm just trying to look at it from a pragmatic point of view. But again, it depends on the use case. If you're working for, uh, you're doing a lot of research, you might find yourself with a more research-friendly language like R or something. I don't know. You have to look into it. So bottom line is if you are a noob looking at programming and software development, uh, what programming language, what framework do I learn, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, my advice to you is don't get overwhelmed by that because need to nerd, that's the name of my new podcast, need to nerd, need to nerd basis, to play on words as in need to know. You have to... Remind yourself that you can't learn everything, that technologies come and go, and that the key to becoming successful quickly in any field, especially software development, is to master your fundamentals and your basics. Because whether you're doing Python, PHP, C Sharp, Java, JavaScript, Ruby, doesn't matter, the, all these languages share at least 70% of the same concepts, if not 80% of the same, in terms of concepts, probably 90%. Uh, the code's a little bit different, of course, and there'll be uh, subtleties and differences in terms of what each of the languages will do down to the nitty gritty. But at the end of the day, if you know Python and you find out, oh, all the jobs are in PHP, for you to migrate from Python to PHP is not going to be a big deal because by knowing Python and understanding the foundations and the fundamentals of Python, uh, they're, like I said, 80, 85%, who, who knows what the exact number is. It's so close to PHP in so many, in so many respects, it's going to be easy for you. So I'll just rattle off a few things. Objects in Python are objects in PHP. Functions are functions. Variables are variables. Data types, data types are data types. Arrays are arrays, etc., etc. Now, there's different behaviors. The way that Python will handle arrays or collections, as some people might call them, is different than the way PHP will do it. But that's not. It's not too difficult. It's like driving a car. I drive an Audi. A good friend of mine drives BMW. Now, the buttons are a little bit different, but generally speaking, I get into the BMW. I can pretty much start driving pretty quickly right with some you know say maybe some high-end cars you may have to understand a little bit about the uh, you know some specifics here and there but same thing with programming so I'm gonna take away your programmers pain just pick a language pick a language first of all you pick a language that you like that looks interesting in terms of its uh, in terms of how, what they use the language for so if you're interested in building 
web apps for small business, probably want to go PHP. If you're interested in doing AI and ML, you probably want to go Python and so on and so forth. So you first you look at, when you're choosing a language, you look at uh, what type of work you want to do. If you want to work in the enterprise, you want to look for very large organizations like banks and stuff, probably going to want to learn Java. Anyway, first you look at the type of work you want to do, and then you look at the local job opportunities, uh, local ads on online. I was going to say newspapers, but who uses that? But uh, ask around. Don't be afraid to make calls. Find out. You know, if you want to work in cinema, the film industry, you want to get in, involved in that. Call up some local how, uh, companies that work in advertising or cinema that do video processing and all this kind of stuff. And say, ask them, what do you guys do? What do you need? You find out what languages they use, which, which frameworks they use, and then you could go in that direction. That being said, long story short, again, there's a bit of a shameless plug here. That's why I teach the foundations in my courses. I teach the foundations because as soon as you have the foundations, rather than a project-based project based course that you see out there, it's like, say, I'm gonna teach you how to play guitar by teaching you five songs or 10 songs. You see, it's popular in these courses. Learn to build these 10 things in this language or that language. And it seems pretty attractive, but it's actually counterproductive if you don't know your foundations first. See. Instead of teaching you how to play 10 songs, I'll make an analogy, I'm going to teach you music. I'm going to teach you about scales and notes and chord progressions, all this kind of stuff. And then, and how to read music. And once you have that, then you don't need anybody to teach you how to, how to play the 10 songs because you know music. You'll be able to go on Google, go, what are the, uh, you know, what, what are the notes? What are the chords for this song? What are the chords for that song? Et cetera, et cetera. I'm assuming guitar here. And then you just go, okay, boom, 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 and you'd be able to play, no problem. That's what my courses do. So if you want to uh, get there fast, you want to become a professional developer quickly, you go to the basics. Don't get lured into build 10 projects because uh, everybody tells me who, who do these project-based courses that don't have a background, they, they end up lost and frustrated and they give up uh, because they're, these, these project-based courses leave out the fundamentals. They may touch on them, but really you need that fundamental training to be able to move forward. So if you want to have a frustrating time in learning, you want to slow your progress down to a crawl, then do project-based courses first. If, on the other hand, you want to learn very quickly, you want to understand the big picture, and you want to be able to have what I call nerd eyes that allow you to, to assess things very quickly, then do foundation training first, then do a couple mini projects, and then that's it. Don't want to get caught up in academic uh, play in project courses, you want to do a couple mini projects after you've done your foundations, and then you want to do real world work. That's how the real developers get good fast. Just like in martial arts, you get your foundations down and then you spar. You get your foundations down and then you spar. You don't want to be one of these people who spend uh, years hitting pads and doing katas and forms without ever actually getting into it for real 
the real sparring, the real fighting. Um, same thing in coding. You want to get your hands dirty in real code with real projects, but you have to do those foundations first. And real projects doesn't mean project-based course. It means working with people, building something for real. Because when you do a project-based course, and I do provide project-based courses, uh, but I, you see in the video in the project section of the package, I tell people that you don't need to do all of them. I, I left in a few that I wouldn't probably leave in there because people want to have them there. So I said, okay, I'll leave them. But they're not there. Like, for instance, I got a PayPal shopping cart course. And it is from scratch showing you how to use PayPal API to build an e-commerce shop. But it is not meant to be the way to do e-commerce. In fact, if you're going to build anything substantial in any of the languages, you're going to use some sort of framework because it's going to save you a lot of time. And it's just going to make your app better. In this particular project-based course, there's no framework utilized because it's a training it's a training course to show you how what actually is going behind on behind the scenes with the frameworks, and it just shows you how to work with the PayPal API, which shows you how to use an API overalls, right? So that's all very very cool. Um, but as I say in the intro video for the project section, you should not dwell on all these projects. Like I, it's like a buffet. You go to the buffet, you don't eat everything from the buffet. You're going to get fat. You're going to get fat and sick. You're eating a little here, a little here, and then you're satisfied, you go. Same thing. You do your foundation, then you do one or two little projects. There's like four or five little projects that I suggest you do do, and then the rest are optional, and that includes uh, form validation with PHP and JavaScript, so you understand how how to interact with those two languages, server-side, client-side languages you don't understand this well you just do a course and then i have the uh, simple login system uh, standard procedural code and simple login system with object-oriented programming and mvc so you learn mvc and then i say you should do the uh, cred operations and then we have a tag cloud which is a little mini mini uh, project we, we have the content management system project we have the wordpress theme project you only do that if you're going to do wordpress themes we have the paypal api project i took it out others but again you just do the first three or four i mentioned and then you should go out there and actually reach out talk to clients work with clients because when you are coding and developing in the real world you're not just applying formulas it's not it's not like you're making a big mac in mcdonald's it's more like you're a chef who's given raw ingredients and they say we want a meal that's Italian style or we want a meal uh, that's a Greek style. And it's up to you with your fundamental knowledge to be able to go in there and cook an original meal. And that's what the software developers do. It's more of a creative process, not a cookie cutter process. That said, you still got to use frameworks and stuff. I hope this long ranting vlog um, is useful to you. This is a 20 minutes. Well, not quite. So there you go. So if you want to hear the first part of Need to Nerd, you got to go to the podcast. And, uh, you know, I might put this out as part three as well. I'll put this one as part the Need to Nerd podcast number three since it's 20 minutes. But I'm going to put this on YouTube since I have video as well. I hope this helps. Thank you for watching.